everybody, welcome back to We and You, where we talk about the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and a little bit about what's going on in our area. I am Terrence Sullivan. And I'm Brittany Cook. I understand that song. We're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn building. Welcome back, everybody. Today will be a little bit back to normal. Um, unfortunately, you don't get a cool guest. You're stuck with us. <laughs> and... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> with us. I love the delay. No. Yeah, I mean, I can think. I can't think of anyone better to be stuck with besides us. Well... Delay. Well, I can think of a few people. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-maskers. Yeah, good point. Especially in an elevator. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that happens in this elevator a lot. Yeah. Which it's usually me. No, I'm just no, it's not. <laughs> no, I was thinking about that yesterday. Two things. One, um, that's not a great place to be stuck with someone especially someone without a mask who you don't know and you don't know where they've been or haven't been. But also, I never thought about this until yesterday. Elevators are like mobile Little dungeons. Bubbles of germs. They are bubbles of germs. Bubbles um, of germs. Bogs, we'll call them bogs. They're just like one giant germ. Yeah. Particle. No. Except there's like multiple germs in there. I wonder if they call germs in Germany. Interesting. Probably call them Americans. <laughs> right now? Yeah. Yes. I guarantee that's the case. But no, I was thinking besides them being mobile germs and mobile dungeons, people can do crazy stuff in the elevator and like <laughs> where are you going with this <laughs> uh so the person got on yesterday and had like multiple knives just casually on his hip and i was like on his hip yes multiple yes were they in like a sheath or please tell me he had like a magnetic situation on his belt and they were just on the magnet I think a combination <laughs> but I was I was trying to assess like I wonder if I'm strong enough that if he tried to stab me I could just take his arm and hold him off until the door opens but that was my um, whole thought process for the nine floors that he was there and I never thought about that I love that you say his arm like the the one arm because he wouldn't be able to reach with his other arm well, they were all on his right side. Yeah. And so if he's reaching for a knife on his right side with his left arm, I think I have the advantage there because he's taking 
You would think. Well, I'm also trained in safety crisis management. <laughs> you usually want to make sure that both arms are secured. Yeah. I'll go back to my karate days and disarm them. <laughs> literally. Um. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, that was just my thought in the elevator. I was like, uh, I don't know what this guy is going to do. But if if it comes down to it, I can handle myself. But I thought it was strange that he had multiple knives. And we were stuck in a little box. And anyone who knows our building, as beautiful as it is, um, the elevators are not very reliable. And so we could have been stuck together, me, him, and his arsenal of knives. And it was the same elevator that we had our incident in last week. Halloween's coming up, so (laughs) it sounds like the perfect story for that. Do you remember last week getting... Oh, yes, I absolutely do. (laughs) I still don't like getting in that elevator bay, to be honest. I got back in that elevator like two days later, and it was working just fine, with the exception that it was going before the doors were shut. (laughs) Yep. For the entire day, every time... I got in, the doors were not shut quite, and the elevator would start moving, (laughs) and I was like, what is this right now? What do I do? I hate elevators. So for the public out there that would like to come make appointments with us so you can file a complaint, we will hopefully be moving soon. Or just have your phone with you in the elevator. If they have one. If you have one, yes, correct. If not, there's a button in there that does place calls out for emergencies. But hopefully you don't have to get to that. Have you ever been stuck in an elevator? No, I actually don't think I have. I'm sure I would remember that. Yeah, you'd remember. I remember all of the times I've been stuck in an all elevator. All of the times <laughs> you've been stuck? How many times Five. have you been stuck? Wow. I feel like that would almost be like Guinness Book of Records level right there. Like who, how many people could say that they have been stuck in an elevator five times? Probably anyone who's worked here more than a year. (laughs) Well. The first one uh, was kind of funny. It was a school trip at Murray State and... I'm getting side-eye. No, I'm thinking. I'm trying to figure out why you would need to be in an elevator at Murray State. I didn't realize it would be large enough. That's that's the first part of it. (laughs) Um, In what was generally the, I guess like the student hall, um, is where they had the library, not the library, the bookstore, a couple conference rooms, if anyone knows UofL, is like the sack at UofL, um, same concept. We were there during downtime for our school trip, and me and some friends got on the elevator um, because some cute girls got on the elevator. <laughs> and it, it was like going one floor, so that was um, the stupid part. There were steps right next to it, we could have just taken the steps up. Um, and my friend Eric decided while we were on there that he wanted to see how much he could jump and change the direction of the elevator if he jumped hard enough. 
um, which was stupid. This was how he flirted? I guess. I don't know. Um, me and Sean were the level heads to say that that was stupid. But it was clear that we were all together. Um, we got on together and we were talking, and he talked to us before he started doing it. So as we're on the elevator and Eric is jumping up and down, it stopped in between the first and second floor, which we could see the bottom of the second floor at like eye level. And then like at our feet, we could see the first floor that we were leaving and some of the people from our school who were still down there. And so we're sitting there and the girls start to freak out. And um, it was kind of scary, not gonna lie, because I'm, I'm more worried about the doors snapping me in half than, or not the doors, but if you try to get out and then it moves, and that was on Grey's Anatomy and I was stuck in my head again. Oh God. Um, <laughs> but it, eventually one of us realized that the reason that the elevator stopped was not because, well, it was because of Eric's jumping, but it wasn't because of it getting stuck. It was because his sweater vest, yes, his sweater vest, got caught on the emergency Eating stop. <laughs> and so his vest had pulled the emergency stop. And so we all, we had, all we had to do was push it back in. Stop it. Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> and so we pushed the button back in and finished going up to the second floor. And one of the girls slapped Eric and said, oh. yeah, it was funny. We don't promote violence. <laughs> and said um, she was glad to get away from us idiots. Oh. So that was the first time. Um, the other times were working at various law firms in law school and running back and forth to the Starks building. And there was a law firm on the top floor and the elevator liked to get stuck between the two floors. So it was, I think, um, 16 and 17 or something. And so you would, they would always stop. And so you could, you know, it was a known thing. And so people knew it was happening and they'd be like, oh yeah, so-and-so will come, come fix it soon. Just hang out. So that was, that was the bulk of my elevator stoppages. Other ones were not as interesting because I was by myself or not doing anything special. Hmm. You're like, I'm never... Never would have thought. <laughs> You're never getting on the elevator with me again. I might not. <laughs> it seems like you've got a track record. And an off-track record. <laughs> <laughs> no, it... It, you know, if you if you do want to get stuck in an elevator, you probably want to be stuck with uh, Captain Twenty Knives because you know survivalist and whatnot. Oh, I was thinking cute girls. Well, <laughs> well, because they don't slap you. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, starting the day talking about elevators and being stuck with people with knives, one of which being a hunting knife in the middle of downtown Louisville. Um, really just catching people up. On, okay, as long as it's not a butter knife. Yeah, yeah. That is another conversation for another day. Or we can have one, we can talk about that now. Why, why do you mention a butter knife? Um, because 
<laughs> it is completely okay to carry around a hunting knife or a fishing knife. But if you carry around any oh. other kind of knife, it can be considered a weapon. And that includes a deadly a butter weapon. knife. A butter knife or a nail file. Oh, yeah, like the metal ones. Yeah. Mm. My cousin got in trouble for a nail file. Granted, it was a little different because she was trying to use the nail file like a knife. <laughs> Stop. No, I'm serious. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it was, uh, this was a hood fight. And I mean hood because we were, it was when I was little and we lived in the hood. It was a hood fight over a boy. Um, yeah, and she, my cousin... Jalisa was like... Don't say her name uh, on here. Uh, it happened. Everyone... It's fine. <laughs> My cousin, who I may or may not have named, <laughs> said she was going to cut this girl up, which is not advisable, but she definitely was in a weird frame of mind and ran down, out the house, down the street, chasing another girl, and the police were already were outside... And so this is actually a funny story because nothing happened. No violence happened, first off. Um, That's why it's funny to say her name because she didn't actually do it. But the police did tell her that had she done anything, then that would have been the case. Um, But she followed followed her down the street and chased her. And (laughs) the police happened to see and they got out and tried to stop them and so she ran back down the street and ran into my granny's house where a lot of us lived at the time and my granny had a hospital bed that she like that was her bed and (laughs) she raised the hospital bed up with the remote and hid under it behind 24 packs of mug root beer (laughs) to hide from the police (laughs) okay what is it about grandma's and like literally stockpiling (laughs) sodas. I was just having this conversation last night. My grandmother has stockpiled, for as long as I know, Pepsi. In case it goes out of business. Apparently. (laughs) I mean, she used to have it stockpiled in her pantry closet, and then it grew into the rest of her, like, eating kitchen space. And then the last time I went over to her house, she now has grown her and it's just her at this point too has grown her stockpile into one of her rooms i mean not to knock coke or pepsi pepsi it is pepsi yes um maybe she knows something you don't know you know if i would have been smart at some point in my life when i realized how much she buys this stuff i i think i should have just gotten some stock in it or something i I feel like she's fueling the company (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think that i don't know she keeps an eye on those pick pack ads and every time they are (laughs) like any bit cheaper than they would typically be she has to buy however many you're allowed to or whatever that's that's how my granny was. We would, it was called Food Town. That was the close grocery store. Uh, Kroger, you had to have a car to get to. So we went to. Yeah, same for my grandma. We went to Food Town and we had to walk. And she insisted on the 24 pack ones, which, I, do they even sell those? I don't. You know, I don't know. I don't drink soda. Um, and, I, and actually, when I had that conversation last night too, I was trying to figure out, like, how many come in a pack. <laughs> so whatever the standard 
sizes or amount that goes into like of cans. <laughs> the that standard amount of cans. Yeah. It's very technical. Is it twelve? Or I think it's twelve. I don't. I, I don't it drink those. Twenty four, so. but I think twelve makes more sense. I think it's twelve because the twenty fours were square and bigger, and then oh. the twelves were are the long rectangles. Yes, that's what she always gets. Um, but yeah, I I just remember that now of my granny kept. Like a bunch of mug root beer, Canada Dry ginger ale, and Mr. Pib. So the caffeine free stuff. Well, minus the Mr. Pib. Yeah. Because root beer and ginger ales don't usually have caffeine in them. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I loved me some Canada Dry when I did drink that stuff. It was. That also was one of By that stuff, he means carbonated drinks. Yes. Which he does not drink, even if it's just carbonated water. Nope. No carbonation since 1999. Gosh, that's so long. That is long. Yeah. You keep aging yourself today. Yeah. <laughs> Between the sweater vests. I didn't have a sweater vest. <laughs> and the carbonated Eric drinks. Did. Actually, Sean Sean and Eric had them on. I didn't have one on. <laughs> But no, um... Does Sean John have one, a Sean John one? You know... Remember that day. Man. Sean John clothes. They still they still have Sean John. Really? Yeah. LA Trends? No, at like... The airport. Oh. Oh, yeah. Like, big airports, they have Sean John stores. I didn't even know Sean John had their own stores. Oh, yeah. Interesting. There's a big one in New York, a couple in New York, Atlanta, um, L.A. Yeah, the Atlanta airport has a huge Sean John with Sean John models to work there and walk up and down the terminal. I've missed out. I don't know how. Been there plenty of times. It's right next to Ludacris. Granted, it is Atlanta airport. I'm usually booking it from one mile away terminal to the (laughs) other. I've literally tripped and gone flying across those floors before. My my old job, I became very familiar with a lot of the state or the country's major airports. In Atlanta, I spent a lot of my time because for some stupid reason, every flight back to Louisville pretty much would, late at night, would take you to Atlanta to then wait for like four hours to then come the 50 minutes home. And so um, I spent a lot of time in Atlanta's airport. And if you ever go, Sean John is right by Ludacris's Chicken and Beer. Hmm. And so you can just have a wrap buffet, you know, go get some Ludacris and then go buy P. Diddy's. And then there you go. I like it. Early 2000s music um, in the airport. Um, but no, Canada Dry, and this is not top like pertinent to anything, but Canada Dry gave me one of my most embarrassing kindergarten moments. Uh-oh. Yeah. Do you tell? Sure. No, um, my granny let me have one of the 12 packs of Canada Dry, and I was in PM kindergarten at the time. And so <laughs> before my brother got home, because he would my older brother would beat me back from school because I had to go to PM kindergarten and he was in regular school. And so she was like, yeah, if you want the rest of these, you have to drink them all before, 
before your brother gets back. Stop it. So I drank them all. (laughs) And it didn't work out too well at school. (laughs) So I got to come home early anyway to get new shorts. (laughs) Because of my Canada Dry. But, yeah, that was... My, that was one of my favorites until uh, later I liked Sprite. Sprite was the best. I forgot about PM Kindergarten. I think that's what I actually was into. They swapped me around a couple of times. I was on the Blue Bunny. That was my bus. And I went from PM to AM to PM. And then for some reason they switched us to full day. But, Yeah. You were a PMer? I think I was, but I don't quite remember because I also bust. Well, I don't know. It's hard to remember some of that. Um, I remember my kindergarten teacher and her name and what she looked like. You just don't remember it was early in the morning or in the afternoon? Yeah, I don't. I remember I. Got sent to the principal's office on the first day of kindergarten, though. Likely. Yeah. Understood. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up with all boys, and there was a fifth grader behind me pulling on my ponytail, and I told him to stop. He wouldn't stop. Told him to stop again. He wouldn't stop. So I turned around and clocked him. <laughs> that. That's on brand. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, you, you get taught to handle things a certain way, I guess. And Now who's encouraging violence? Early. <laughs> Look, it didn't happen after that. I never punched another person. Is that so? Yeah. Are you sure? So. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to remember you punching someone about a month ago. What? I do. If you're talking about you and we, like, <laughs> just tap in your arm, it's definitely not the same thing. That's not, that is, you didn't say you didn't heavily punch someone in the face. You said you hadn't punched someone. That's not the same. Sure it is. So, we have it on the record that you are a fibber, so good to know. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to talk about that, let's talk about how you kick me every other day. Every other day is also a fib, so it's two strikes. <laughs> I also have signed an agreement <laughs> to only do it maybe once a month on accident. On accident. <laughs> but anyway, today really just want to talk about random fire conversa- topics, just things that are going on. Um, and one is really a prelude to what we're doing hopefully next week is to have a conversation on the American dream just because of some interesting conversations that people have been having about the American dream. Um, I heard an interesting podcast on my way here um, today, actually this afternoon, after I went and got a haircut for lunch, um, from Elizabeth Warren about the American dream. And it just was interesting because I had no idea that's what she was talking about because I didn't even know she was going to be on the podcast I was listening to but her discussion of the American dream and how certain things need to change in order for more people to achieve what is 
I guess the consensus understanding of the American dream. And I learned something today, which I love days where I learn something, that um, they did a study for people who had been out of college for 20 years, who had student loans, and white people who had been out of college for 20 years had about 6% of their student loans left to pay, whereas black borrowers, 20 years out, still had about 95% mm. of the loans left to pay, which then takes away that opportunity to achieve the American dream because you have, um, and I can attest to this, a lot of student loans that get in the way of homeownership. Um, it is a huge negative when you're trying to purchase a home and they're like, wait, you have $300,000 in a loan debt player. Mm -hmm. um, that's a house. And so they basically then have to make the assessment, are you going to be able to pay for two houses? Um, or depending on what area you're in, that's a house and a half. So like, it makes it harder to achieve that first, one of the bigger ways to accumulate generational wealth, and that's through homeownership, which is one of the base points for the American dream. And aside from based on a study, um, and anecdotally, we can also talk about that, but based on that study, that just hurts that attainment of the American dream for non-white people who went to school and took out student loans. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. Um, I was reading something just last night that said, you know, you have people that push you to go to school and so you take out these loans and and essentially what it said was you know you obtain twenty thousand in student loan debt only to try to pay us fifteen dollars an hour upon graduation due to entry-level status then want us to gain eight plus years of experience before giving us real raises all while charging twelve hundred dollars a month for an 875 square foot apartment and all I could think was, who only has 20000 in student loan debt? I didn't want to say it. I was like, okay. That was yeah. like first thing first that came to my mind. And so, of course, I had to share it with some people. And, and they had the same response. And, you know, it's it's so wild to think now that the the average for people across the United States, with the exception of D.C., because it's actually higher by at least 10,000 more yeah. but the average student loan debt now is is 35 grand and that's a lot of money that's more than what well probably about the same I guess of what our national average income is right 36 or something I think we're at um yeah and so you got to think like people are automatically leaving with as much as they're making and it just seems like there's no way out sometimes. Um, it's depressing. But mm -hmm. also, anyone, if you listen and you have $35,000 in student loan debt, I will happily trade you. Um, very quickly, I'll pay you 
to trade me, like, legit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, not to go political, but there are, that is a platform, um, finally, in major party politics to um, cancel that for people under a certain income level for that reason. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to start from behind and we were taught very early in school like the only way to move ahead is get education 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 um high school and then you after high school you better go to college uh, after college you better do something else you know what you can always you can always keep going to school you know hmm, what's that let's get a let's get a master's and then another master's and then let's get a doctorate and so you know some you know some people <laughs> listen to that because and I know I can speak personally is I was like okay this is the only way I'm not going to be poor mm-hmm. is I have to go to school until there's nothing no degree left to give me mm-hmm. and so well and it's so funny because you establish these degrees and these ideas of what they're going to do for you right but then you look at you and I who both have masters and doctorate level degrees and neither of us are technically working in the specializations that we got those degrees in. That's not to say that we're not still working within the general census of it, but it it's just mind-blowing to think how much you have to narrow in and focus on certain things in school that... It's just not where our economy is right now in terms of being able to provide jobs in those areas, in my opinion. No, I think that that's right. And something I learned in college um, is the United States is weird. I mean, I knew that anyway. <laughs> we like we began on the principle of racism and slave like with slavery, so like and brutality. Yeah. So I knew I we mean, were I knew we were weird. Conquered this land, right? <laughs> but having people in my building who were from other countries talking about how they approach education was interesting. And the approach to college or university is so different where it's a little bit more specialized and you're not having so much incurring so much debt because you're doing a lot of the pre-training or the schooling before you get to the level where you would potentially be paying for something Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of the an example is my next door neighbor at the time was going to go into communications and broadcasting and was like, yeah, I already did all this. And it's like, oh, he's like, yeah, I did it two years ago because they do basically like an aptitude assessment and you declare things that you're interested in and then you learn those. And then when you go to college or whatever you want to call it after, you go and do what you've already been doing um before then and so it would be like if we went to specialized high schools and so i discovered or decided when i was a sophomore in high school oh i want to do i want to go to law school then that's the path that they put me on and i do those classes 
and then I just continue and finish and then I'm doing the job a lot earlier. Um, I'm not going until I'm 25 and you don't have all of that debt because you don't go to school forever to do whatever the job is. And we had, in law school, we had exchange students. I don't know, I guess they were called exchange students from other countries and they were like, yeah, I've already been working. <laughs> it's, it's just different here and I wonder partly why and was it so we can continue to make money for these places that do use that loan money to operate and pay salaries I don't know I don't either I, I know that that it definitely is different I mean um, I'm considered a quote-unquote non-traditional student because I didn't finish undergrad until I was 27 and so then a fair then I didn't finish grad school until I was 29 um, and I was in these classes with people that were seven and eight years younger than me who had literally no job experience um, where I had been working in the field it didn't change my student loan debt in the end <laughs> yeah. um, but it did make school easier in terms of understanding concepts that were much harder for my peers to grasp. So I definitely did appreciate that. You were the weird old lady. I, you know. <laughs> did you knit in the back of the class? No, but I was in an expressive therapies program, so <laughs> other people did, and it was not frowned upon. <laughs> um, uh. I also, I actually wasn't the only non-traditional student in there. Um, there were two others in my small cohort of 16 that um, were also around the same age. So um, one of them, it was actually her second master's program, though. So she was doing it all. <laughs> yeah, I told you about my... Uh very non-traditional classmate. <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 82, 1L uh, in law school. He was great. Um, so, yeah, it, it's interesting to think about just in, we're taught when we're young about the American dream. You're going to grow up and if you go to school and you work hard, you're going to get a job and make a middle-class comfortable living and have 2.5 kids which never made sense to me I thought it sounded like you would never mind but um, we had to draw the American dream and I drew it literally so <laughs> take that as you might but does it surprise you that I did it literally nope um, not at all <laughs> the kid may have had one arm say that. <laughs> um, but it, you are told you do these things you then you get these things and that was how it worked out for some it's never been that way for all and I feel mm -mm. like now it's that way for fewer yeah um, I, I mean if you go back to my grandmother's story she could be looked at as what would have been I guess the American dream she um, grew up with a single mother who moved to Louisville for resources after her husband left her with four kids um, upon moving here they moved into project housing um, and my grandmother grew up in that and she 
was able to leave the projects in her mid-30s after she had already had her four kids um, and purchase a trailer home. And after paying that up off, I guess paying it off, I'm, I'm not really sure, I'm assuming, just knowing how she is with money, mm-hmm. um, transitioned by the time she was about 55 into um, a home. And, you know, some people could look at that as being the, the American dream, but she's a white woman. And I definitely know that that is not the standard because I know that there were many families from those same projects, um, generations of people of color that not only were still there after she left, but then had to be transported, not transported, replaced, rehoused in other areas because they didn't maintain those projects and so they, they tore them down. And that displacement is... There you go, displaced. Yes. Um, <laughs> is only causing more harm to those families because people who don't have as much access to certain things that they need, such as transportation, such as medical resources, try to find those that are close to them. So when you move them, they then lose that access. Um, and it further causes harm it's hard to think about because it's so inequitably attained um and so it's an interesting concept but then there are so many people who base all of their positions in every avenue on the concept that everybody has this fair shake at this at the stream and so yeah i think that can be an interesting conversation um hopefully next week if not next week the week after you are listening to we and you here on ford radio 106.5 fm and fordradio.org i'm assuming we haven't talked about this but i'm assuming the week after um just looking at calendars might be a recap of where we people are um in the country after the end of the election because not the start the election's been going on for a while people have voted um, both of us have voted mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> one in person and one melon i'll let y'all guess who's who yeah well the melon not saying it was me was in person well okay. <laughs> it was turned Sorry. in in person i'm not one mailing. in person and one <laughs> dropbox yes <laughs> dropbox plus confirmation and now y'all know who's who <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, so that will be, those are things coming up, and I think it will Mm -hmm. be really interesting and good conversation. Um, Not to touch on it too much, but the last debate is tonight. Um, Are you watching? Of course I'm watching. I will have (laughs) popcorn and wine Olivia Pope style. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we might possibly have, um, of course, a COVID-approved guest, so someone that... um, COVID approved. Yes. Are you, are you emailing COVID to ask if it's okay? <laughs> no, but I know that these, this person has to be regularly tested and they already work with my significant other, so they're already around each other consistently, uh. um, which is funny because the only requirement I, I stated 
of course, knowing that they are COVID approved, um, <laughs> is that, you know, are you prepared to hear me yell at the TV? <laughs> because that's what I do. Um, I won't be throwing the popcorn, though. Is your popcorn COVID approved? My popcorn is very COVID approved. Is there a little seal? I like don't know Oprah what exactly club? that means. Actually, my previous popcorn would not have been COVID approved because I started getting that Tony Sasher's, like the one that makes you sneeze. <laughs> no idea what any of those there's words start, mean besides sneeze. You've never had Tony Sasher's? Not to my knowledge. So it's um, it's a Cajun seasoning. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So there's a certain version of it that literally like is known like if you google it it makes you sneeze and so I had initially bought that and I had to switch it up because sneezing and popcorn just doesn't work well together why not I feel like that would be a great combination no no especially very consistent sneezing like you can't stop it (laughs) no one wants to hear me sneeze I you your sneezes are kind of scary I have stopped Shut down two restaurants, one in New York, one in Chicago. Hasn't happened here yet, but uh, closer, smaller, tighter-knit restaurants, people stop and check to see if I'm okay. (laughs) Um, The funniest one was in Chicago. Um, Someone came out of the floor to ask me if I was okay. Out of the floor? Yeah, it was It was very weird. Okay. So it was... Is it like a speakeasy under there? Yeah, that's what it was. No, um, I, I can't remember the place. It was a little... It was a sandwich and salad shop. And saying the word sneeze is going to make Brittany sneeze. <laughs> I'm over laugh. here trying not to. <laughs> but I sneezed and uh, I, one of the servers opened... From they came, some of the kitchen stuff or staff went downstairs to put things away, and he comes up and he's like, "Sir, sir, are you okay? Is everything fine? I can feel it underneath." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, I'm okay. It's cool." Um, so it's not embarrassing at all, you know, that random people come and check to make sure I'm alive. Um, but anyway, um, I too, well hope to be watching the debate um it could be an interesting i don't know it's interesting that this year which has felt like it's been 10 20 years long um but this election is coming to an end and the debates are coming to an end and it just no matter what you are looking for in these it's just exciting that they're almost over (laughs) Um, just because it, it seems like even no matter what your stance is, we're at least moving forward in some direction that something is happening. There is going to be some national movement that happens. Um, I, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. Go ahead. Um, you know, I, I heard something like that this morning and it, really struck a note like no matter what this the results of the election are not an end to anything right like it's it's another beginning for our country um and i feel like when you look at it that way whomever you are on whatever side you may exist in 
for me anyways, I guess, I feel like that has to offer some form of hope, right? Like new beginnings always have an endless result of possibilities. And I like that. An endless result of possibilities. It just really struck a note. I I think I needed to hear that because it, it does feel with the way that this pandemic has been this year for everyone and you know our racial justice movements coming back into play in a larger format and just in my own personal life changing careers and moving <laughs> and all of these weird changes that sometimes you know even when they're for the best and even when I know that for progress they can feel extremely overwhelming Mm -hmm. and scary and you've heard me say even like oh my gosh I just need to get past this like (laughs) oh my gosh I just can't wait till this part is over and and even with the election it's it's almost like oh my gosh I just wish we would know already (laughs) what's going to happen and but that's so so much of like this look of finality and that's not what it is no i think for a long time i thought elections and all of that stuff was a i thought of it in the term of sports where it's like you train for this event and then you do it and then either didn't either one or you didn't and then it's over but that's not really how elections work Mm -hmm. because I think no matter what happens in the coming weeks, it just gives us, I like to plan things out annoyingly with decision points and it's like, okay, if this happens, what are we going to do? If this happens, what? And I think for, but I think the elections, that is a decision point because based on what happens, that then gives us our marching orders Um, sometimes quite literally, on what's the next decision that we make from this point. Because no matter who ultimately wins, there are things that then need to happen. And there are questions that need to be answered. And there are things that we need to start asking for, no Mm -hmm. matter who it is. It's just the way in which you ask for them might shift based on the outcome. But you still need to ask for the same things. Racial issues aren't going to end because there's a new president. Mm-mm. It's just how you might go about starting that conversation is a little different. Um, so it's we have a, a decision point um, in the decision tree that is going to then direct us on whatever way we're going to go next. And so that's one of the reasons why it is good to watch and be attentive because these debates aren't they're not swaying anybody's decisions anymore um there are a few undecideds but other than that it's really getting more insight into the people and then helping determine what our next steps are in that decision tree based on what happens yeah i mean so in looking at decision trees right like you tend to need to reflect on what currently exists 
and what you would like to see moving forward. And a lot of people will say, you know, the American dream is comes down to what it is you want to achieve and being able to achieve that. Mm-hmm. But I want to flip that script a little bit. So instead of asking you what would you want to achieve, mm-hmm. let me ask you if you could change one thing, whether it be about yourself or about the world in general, what would it be? I am not able to answer that question as it would require me to elicit a response that could be indicative. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And the law school comes out. (laughs) Um, So what is something I would change? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I might need you to repeat the question just because I was thinking of my uh, Supreme Court confirmation answer. Um, <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I'm practicing <laughs> for how old am I? For 20 years from now. I don't need to be 20 years. Being realistic. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so if you could change one thing about either <laughs> yourself or about the world, got shoes can't do it for both (laughs) what would it be well there are too many things i would change about myself and we only get an hour so um i'll try to fix the world (laughs) it's a little easier (laughs) okay um i would want especially in our country i would want to change and create a more welcoming or understanding society that understands that your reality isn't everyone's reality because I think a lot of our problems could be solved if other people were more empathetic to the plights of others Um, and I was having a struggle with a conversation yesterday about trying to make someone understand something I was trying to say when they just don't have the reference or framing in their mind to understand it. Um, But I think if we were able to have a world that was a little bit more understanding that just because it doesn't happen to me or just because it worked for me doesn't mean that it wouldn't happen to someone else or that it would always work for someone else. And Mm -hmm. so that's one of my biggest wishes of of anything. Um, But hopefully we can get there what about you oh you know sometimes i'm better at asking are you picking well first off are we (laughs) we going with you or the world um you know i like to self-actualize as much as possible so i'd probably go with myself (laughs) so what would you change i would change that's a tough question. Uh, um, I I think I would want to change my work ethic is what I want to say off the top of my head because oh, I yeah? feel like, <laughs> yeah, because if you think about what we're talking about here, you know, even in looking at 
like I said, this, the election not being a finality, but a new beginning, um, when the results come in, in, in your statement of saying, you know, we have to make our decisions based on that, mm-hmm. we are almost always programmed in this world right now to be reactive and not proactive. And that is very true. I would love to be able to have the type of ongoing, not just every now and then, because you know I got my moments sometimes, but the ongoing ability to think ahead and create and experiment and research things that don't always exist. Like I, I feel like I can get into like breaking down stuff, right? Into like micro analyzing things, but I don't feel like I very often have the type of work ethic that allows me to find that something new. Okay. No, I think that makes sense. I was, <laughs> I was thinking more um, professionally of you telling me that you <laughs> needed to work on your work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> Not really something I wanted to hear. Um. (laughs) No, no. I mean, I would hope that you know how my work ethic is. Um, No, I'm thinking more in terms of just, you know, as a white person, I have only been able to practice learning and growing and understanding things from a reactive point of view. Mm -hmm. I have been raised and socialized to be racist. Hands down, no matter what, I cannot deny as a white person that I'm racist. And anti-racism is like this new thing that people are talking about, but does it actually exist? You can be somebody that works to fight against racism and works to understand your own racism and works to ensure that you are not putting racist implications that you've been taught onto other people, especially people of color, but can I ever truly not be racist? Got it. I think that's that's a good point, and I also think that I'm going to make it somehow where you can come do this anti-racist panel that I'm doing next week at UofL. You know? (laughs) Um, I haven't paneled in a while, so... (laughs) But no, I think that that's a a good point and definitely something that I understand and appreciate about you is your worldview and your understanding of where you are and where you can grow Um, because that's the first step and the biggest step and a lot of people don't want to take that step but also it goes to what I wanted to change about the world is for people to be able to understand that and a little bit more like you. So, I don't know. I think that's a good good thing for you to want to change since you were since you wanted to pick changing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's okay. Not everyone is completely broken with millions <laughs> of things to fix like me. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm getting side-eye again. Mm. This time it's actual (laughs) side-eye. I wonder if that side-eye is (laughs) (laughs) COVID-approved. 
I'm going to order a stamp for you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, that has been a good little chat today since people are stuck with us and no cool guest who does art or anything cool like that or a judge or hopefully today is a good um, conversation that's worth listening to but also um, a reminder to people that we have a few days left to go vote if you haven't Um, there are multiple places open that are easy lines to walk in right now Mm -hmm. um if you have voted good job get someone else to go vote or take someone to go vote um just making sure people do that that's really important i think as we get closer to this decision point we want to make sure that there's so as much input in that decision as possible because no one really needs to have a decision tree that has decision points that no one is putting in information because then you just go in circles. And so being able to invite people to that party of participation, I think is important. A COVID approved party. <laughs> like COVID approved party. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, um, yeah. Anything you want to say before we say goodbye to everyone? I do. So I, I kind of wanted to just make sure that people know the reason and the basis for my question actually came across from um, a friend of mine who is a teacher here in Jefferson County in Kentucky, and um, she is a white person, actually, and I apologize, I say she, they are a white person who works at a predominantly black school in the city and um, ask that question to their class. You know, what hmm. would you change about yourself if you were given the chance to change one thing? And the vast majority of their students, which would also consist of most of the school because they're physical education and health teacher, um, chose race. So I want to kind of leave that with everyone here and and let them kind of sit on that and think about that a little bit and see if that helps suggest their own knowledge of how they are impacting other people and what we can all do together to change that. The music you hear throughout this recording was produced by Esquire Music alongside Spice Productions.